Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, phone, and security services. Smithville. Local Pride Global Technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering gourmet pizzas, hot submarine sandwiches, and salads with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com. 332-4495 for delivery. Welcome to Noon Edition. I'm Bob Zaltzberg from the Herald Times, and today we're going to have our annual fall gardening show. Uh, with me in the studio, we have two experts. They're both uh, familiar uh, names, I hope, and voices. Helen May certainly is. Helen has been with us many, many times. She's retired from May Greenhouse, although I think she still does a little work from time to time. She works herself, I guess. Well, <laughs> I, I – uh... I have to poke my nose in and see what's going on. Oh, there you go. That's right. <laughs> we, we, I figured that. And Don Adamson, who's with Bloomington Valley Nursery. Uh, if you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can also uh, send your email questions via our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. I also I have to mention Mary Catherine's not here. Mary Catherine Carmichael, of course, is the co-host of the program. She is a huge fan of the gardening show, but her uh, her day job got in the way today. She's with a group of the new class of leadership, Bloomington, Monroe County, uh, of which she's the director. So she couldn't be with us today. Um, and uh, she was really, really upset when she found out <laughs> she was going to miss the gardening show because she always has tons of questions and finds out a lot of information. I also might want to mention to our listeners, uh, if you're not familiar with this show, we usually get a whole lot of telephone calls. So I would recommend that you call early uh, because maybe by the last part of the show, uh, you won't be able to get your question answered. And uh, Don and Helen are both here to answer your questions. So I want to start with uh, just sort of a basic question about the timing of the show. I'm not, uh, as you guys both know, I think, I uh, know Helen knows, I'm not the gardener in the program. Mary <laughs> Catherine is. Um, and we do the spring gardening show, and that one makes perfect sense to me. What is there to do in the fall? What kinds of things should people be doing now? Don? A lot of people don't realize that fall is almost more important than spring for a lot of different things. I know your your lawn needs uh, special attention in the fall. Now is the best time to fertilize. And uh, also, uh, I feel that November and December are the best time of the year to plant trees. In fact, we've uh, we pretty well sold out of all of our trees from spring, but we have new supplies coming for this fall planting season. Mm -hmm. And uh, November and December are, are great times to plant uh, shrubs as well as trees. Mm -hmm. Okay, Helen? Uh, Don's right. The, the chance for those plants to get some root growth established in the fall means that they can withstand the heat of next summer much better than a spring-planted tree. Mm -hmm. Of course, a spring-planted tree properly cared for will we'll go ahead and do fine, but fall is the ideal time. And it's also the about the only time you can plant bulbs uh, for early spring bloom. Mm -hmm. And um, it's getting a little late for most perennials. Uh, I like to get those divided or replanted or new ones put in by the end of September, but I think you could still work for a, a couple weeks because mm -hmm. the weather seems to be predicted to be reasonably mild mm -hmm. and uh, you could get it done. And then there's cleanup to do. We had such a wet spring that a lot of people got behind on their weeding and, uh, and there's all those fall leaves to look after. Uh -huh. And then there are some things that need a little fresh mulch in the fall. So there, there's a lot to do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we have our first phone call of the day, so hopefully we'll get lots of questions. And we have lots we could talk about, uh, even if we didn't get questions. But I think <laughs> right. we, I'm, I'm sure we probably will. Fred is first. Fred, go ahead. Hello, Fred. We have Fred there? 
passion flower. Hey, go ahead. Uh, would you please start over? We uh, okay, didn't yeah, catch I'd the like first to find part. out about the bougainvillea and the passion flower. If we can raise them around here. <laughs> okay, Helen. There's one variety of passion flower that is quite hardy here, and uh, several of the local nurseries carry it. Uh, the uh, bougainvillea needs to be in the house by now because it's not hardy. Um, and very often, in the, there are two ways to keep it in the house, I believe. You can grow it very lushly, or you can, uh, if you don't have a good place for it, you can let it go semi-dormant, cut way back on the watering and so forth. You may need to print back a little before you bring it in because they can get awfully big during the summer, and then it's hard to find a place for them in the house. Um, if passion flower is that I missed up. What variety of passion? Flower? Oh, I knew you were going to ask that, and my <laughs> mind is. Um, it's all in there, but <laughs> it's uh, I can I can if you keep listening, I'll find it for you and tell you later in the program. How big a pot do you set it in outside? Well, now that depends. If you if the plant is capable of getting gigantic, so you need to get a pot that um, will let it get somewhere near the size you'd like, but one that you can manage to bring indoors because it will have to come in before freezing weather. Uh, you could grow one. Uh, the smaller the pot is, the less top growth you will probably develop. So if you want a pretty big plant, then you should start with a, I mean, you should have nothing less than a 12 or 14 inch pot probably. Um, and some people can't handle a big pot to move it in and out. Some can. so, But it will live in a 10-inch pot, but you just won't get the size. And if you've got it in a really small pot, you will have to repot it occasionally so that it gets some fresh soil in there. And the way you do that is you can scrape off some of the top soil on top because it won't be terribly full of roots. But I think this might be better done in the spring than right now. I asked um, about Amanda Bell. Uh, I, I, I bought one, and I didn't have very good luck with it this year. It just seemed like it didn't grow any. Well, now, Amanda is capable of making great growth. So you might have had it uh, a little too dry, though that's not likely this year. <laughs> or maybe you didn't feed it enough because uh, in a confined pot, it soon uses up the nutrients, and you have to keep feeding through the summer. Uh, it needs a fairly even moisture, but you don't want to keep it, get it real dry, and then drown it or something. You know, you want to check on it just every couple of days to see that well, it's. You. Uh, you might try repotting next spring and trying again, getting you some slow-release fertilizer, maybe some of that pelletized stuff. And then after a couple months, you might want to start feeding with a liquid fertilizer into the fall. Thank you. All right. Okay. Thanks a lot, Fred. Thanks for the call. I was just curious. Um, uh, the so what you expect to so the plant you want to see? Uh, can you you expect to see kind of the same amount of plant based on the amount of space you have for the roots to grow? Well, it's sort of like goldfish in a pond. You know, in a tiny pond, they won't get very big, no matter how much you feed them. And a plant has to develop enough root system to maintain the size. Now, by uh, heavy regular feeding, very often they can produce a much bigger plant than the, than the pot normally would support. Mm -hmm. uh, but uh, you won't do get a big plant in a six-inch pot. You're going to have to go – if you want a big plant, you're going to have to go to a bigger pot than okay. that. All right. Now we have another yeah. phone call. Let's go to Becky. Becky? Um, hi. I have a question about trimming bushes in the fall or in the spring. And, and the bush that I have a specific question about is a burning bush. I, I trimmed it le this spring with nearly tragic consequences. <laughs> uh, you know, the, the branches seem to die and things like that. And so I wondered if I should have trimmed that in the fall instead. That's unusual for a burning bush because usually you can trim them as hard as you want whenever, huh. whenever you want. Uh, they're one of the most durable of all plants in toward uh, pruning, 
And uh, are you sure it wasn't something else that caused the damage on the plant? Because normally, no matter what, how much trimming you do, you won't hurt it. And huh. no matter when you trim it, you usually won't hurt it. So that's surprising. I might have a rare gift. Well, now they, <laughs> uh, they can have some pest problems also. I know one that's really been bad the last few year, years is scale. On the, You can see it on the stems. And then also they sometimes get mites that, uh, that make the leaves uh, fall off prematurely. And honestly, I feel you may have another, some other problem rather than your trimming causing that. It seems like the the uh, limbs, the branches, come out far without any leaves on them. And so I wondered if I had cut off the new growth on some of them. Because the bush generally looks very good, but there were probably about, you know, 10 or 20 branches on it. That, and it's a very big bush that were just essentially, it seemed like they died. Yeah. And I don't see anything on the leaves or anything that would suggest pests. But, uh, Except have- me. <laughs> have the leaves fallen off of those branches? Um, well, they actually never came on the branches. That's that's very unusual because yeah. if if they grew, they almost have to have leaves during the growing process. Well, well, I I trimmed it before the leaves put on, well. and they never they never grew leaves, and they never put out shoots. You know, I I thought they might put out shoots right above the cut. They should do that. And normally, when did you do the trimming? Uh, it it was probably sometime in March. Oh my lands! They should have put up. <laughs> yeah, they should have put out a lot of growth uh, within that time. Mm. Uh, because, like I say, the burning bush is is one of the toughest, and and that's an all right time to trim them. Even we even do drastic pruning on them during March. Uh, I don't know if that could be some residual winter damage or not. Are you sure it's a burning bush, Becky? Yes, I am. <laughs> okay. okay. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't know if it was like a lilac because I understand that if you trim lilacs in the fall, you're cutting off the blooms. Uh, right, with lilac. But burning bush is a, is a different thing mm-hmm. uh, since they they really don't have flowers, so to speak. They have flowers, but they're very... Uh, most people don't see them. But uh, uh, another possibility, I've not seen borers in a burning bush, but it, it's possible. But uh, the rest of your plant, uh, did the rest of the plant grow or did? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's a quite, a, quite a big bush and it probably put on about, I would say, at least a foot on the branches that, that were still alive that survived my pruning. But uh, I would just go ahead and prune out those branches that appear to be dead, and the others will fill back in. Okay, great. All right. Thanks very much. Yeah, Becky Carlson of Spring, let us know how you did. I'll do it. Thank you. All right. All right. Thanks a lot for the call. Our phone number is 855-0811-877-285-9348. You can send your email to wfiu.org slash noon edition. You can find our email there and you can can contact us that way. We are having our annual spring or fall gardening show, I should say. And uh, Don um, Adamson is here along with Helen May. They say that fall is... A big time for gardening, so if you have your questions, please feel free to give us a call. We'll try to get you an answer. We have Steve waiting on the line. Steve? Steve, are you there? Oh, hello. Hey, Steve, go ahead. Hello. Hi, yeah, Steve. Can you, okay. Um, I had a couple of holly bushes that we set out for my mother about three or four years ago. They've survived this, this far. Uh, one of them hasn't done extremely well. The other one's just done fair. But I noticed that the one that she dumped uh, coffee grounds around seemed to do a lot better than the other. So I wondered if that had something to do with the acid balance in the soil. Also, I was curious about what kind of watering requirements they they get because one seems to get the poor one gets a lot more water due to some runoff from uh, from a roof surface. One thing Holly do not like is as we call it wet feet. That's a real problem, and if if the roots are too wet, they will not do well at all. They just won't be happy if the if the soil is wet. So that may be uh, may be one of the problems. But holly are normally 
uh, quite durable plant, and one thing they do respond well to to feeding. But if they don't like clay soil and they don't like uh, wet soil, so those two go together, and and uh, those two are prevalent soils that we have in this area. So I would say that more than likely that's the problem. Thank you very much. All right, Steve. Thanks a lot for the call. Um, I wanted to follow up on that. We, we, Helen mentioned the fact that we had a, a pretty wet spring and summer, right? Is it? Yes. <laughs> Is that fair to say? So would that would, would the, the wetness of the spring and summer be part of the problem with the holly? It could be, definitely, because uh, as I say, uh, a holly cannot take it wet at all, and it seems like they, it kind of stunts them if the soil is wet or tight, as we call it. But uh, And as you say, we did have a lot of rain this whole season up until midsummer, And I know it kills some plants because of the excess uh, moisture that we had this spring. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, I was, you know, Japanese or whatever kind of view you happen to have yeah. are sus- very susceptible from, right. of, to damage if they stay wet too long, you know, if the soil's soaked. And I was a little concerned. I've got a few that are in a low area, and I was a little concerned that I'd have some trouble with them. Fortunately not. Mm -hmm. But um, when it's excessively wet day after day and week after week, a lot of susceptible plants uh, will begin to show the effects. Uh, Evergreens in particular need to get air to the roots. And that's just what uh, happens uh, when it's too wet. They don't get enough air to the roots. And this is especially true of uh, most evergreens. Mm-hmm. Most of your deciduous plants can take a wetter condition than an evergreen can. Okay. All right. Let's go back to the phones. We have another phone call, and it's Lyle. Lyle, go ahead. Yes. Um, I have a question about uh, collards and kale and also a, a comment about uh, uh, the fall uh, planting of trees. I'm a. I love planting. I probably planted 2,000 hardwoods, and I get them from the county extension office and the, the state nurseries, and plant them on private property through the years. Uh, I wonder why they don't have a program where you can buy them and plant them in the fall. I think I would much rather do that. I think their program is all for the spring. Uh, my other question is about. Uh, we have a little raised bed garden for the first time this year. We've had a row cover over it that lets the light and the air in. We're raising uh, organic collard and kale greens. And uh, with the winter coming on, I've heard that they withstand cold really well. I don't know at what point to uh, that I should start covering uh, these uh, plants. I don't know if they can withstand some frost, or how long can we expect to uh, to keep a crop going? Those will withstand uh, frost. Uh, in fact, several repeated frosts if they aren't severely cold. And actually, the frost somehow uh, changes the flavoring. I think it may convert some starches to sugars or something. Really? Wow. And so the flavor will improve after a few frosts. Uh, I would say if it's if it's going down and and staying below freezing for a whole day or something, it might be time to cover them. However, I have talked to people who said they harvested kale right up till Thanksgiving and sometimes Christmas. So I don't think you need to be concerned about early frosts at all. Well, good. Thank you very much. All right. You're welcome. Okay. Thanks a lot for the call, Lyle. Uh, Again, our phone numbers are 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can join us on our website, wfiu.org slash noon edition. Uh, Don, you were talking before about how you think the fall is the the best time to to plant trees. Right. Are there any kinds of trees in particular that are best to plant in the fall or is it just any kind of tree? Well, most all trees actually – Dogwood are not the best planted in the fall, and for sure, weeping willow and birch trees. But uh, most all of the others, uh, fall is a great time to plant. And what we have found 
trees planted in the fall will grow more the next season, especially in the spring season, than if they're planted early spring because the roots continue to grow at temperatures like we're having now. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to ask about the temperatures. It seems like today's just a beautiful day. It's in the, in the 60s. Is this uh, prime weather for a fall gardening season? Oh, this is great. This <laughs> makes everyone feel like fall right, <laughs> That's right. Yeah, those mosquitoes have, have sort of laid low right, now. Right. <laughs> All right, we're starting. We've got a few emails. We've got another phone call. We're going to go to the phone first, and it's Bob. Bob? Hi. Hi, Bob. Um, I bought a uh, lantana tree. It's about four feet tall um, in the spring and had it outdoors, but then I, I brought it inside. Uh, previously, I've had a lantana tree over and had it inside over the winter, and it lost all its leaves and died. Is there anything that I should do to keep this one going? Well, the the one of the great problems with lantana uh, brought in is that the there's quite a shocking change of uh, humidity and light and so forth. And sometimes they will defoliate pretty badly. Um, it may be that some increased humidity around the plant might help for a while. Um, now, one way to achieve that is to get some some big, light plastic, like a dry cleaning bag or something, and uh, just drop it over the plant, but don't close it. Uh, if you were beginning heavy defoliation, you might try that. Uh, you might try pruning the, the tips and edges back a little bit when you bring it in. Have you brought it in already? Yes. How's it doing? Um, it's doing pretty well, but um, uh, it's only been in for about two or three weeks. Well, if you've had it two or three weeks and it still isn't defoliating... You're, you're doing pretty well. They need to be reasonably warm, so don't put them in a cool bedroom or something that, uh, you know, the temperature is going to drop down really low. Uh, probably 65, 70 would be good for them. They need a lot of light, but they shouldn't be set near any source of moving air like a register, a heat register or anything of that nature, or uh, say next to a TV set or something that that is heated will produce heat. Um, your main thing probably would be keeping the humidity up. Uh, don't let them get too dry, but don't keep them soggy. I see. What you should do is water thoroughly and let it dry on the surface before you even think about watering again. But if you get it too dry, it will defoliate too. <laughs> uh, but actually, uh, lots of light, a nice warm temperature, and as much humidity as you can supply. Now, if you do put that bag over, remember that plastic bags <laughs> can be too much of a good thing. So watch it closely. If you see any tips blackening or uh, any leaves blackening but not falling off, then it needs to come off. Should the, I water it like twice a week? or I can't tell you. It depends on how much root system there is in the soil and how quickly the plant draws it out. Your best bet is to water it thoroughly. Is it sitting in a saucer of some kind? Uh, yeah, it's in, and it's in a huge pot. Um, All right. Water it until you see a little water showing up in the saucer. I see. Okay. And then... Don't let it sit there. You'll have to take a sponge or something and clean the excess out. Then don't water it again until if you dig down with your finger into the soil uh, at the top of the pot, probably about halfway out to the rim somewhere. If it's dry over a half to three-quarters of an inch, then it's, you need to water again. I see. I see. And when should I put it back out in the spring? When, um, Not until you are totally safe from frost. Okay. Probably be mid-May. If you've got a nice porch, you might sneak it out a little earlier. I see. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to also keep away from the deer. The deer keep, 
eating oh, and they knocking eat? it over. And that's a good task. That's, that's, that's not easy to do this year. Oh, they're just such a problem. <laughs> All right. Thank thanks you. a lot. Thanks Bye. a lot for the call, Bob. We're going to try to work in one more phone call before we take our break. So Jack is next. Jack? Uh, hi. <clears throat> we recently uh, started to we, – we tore up our backyard and uh, – so I removed a bunch of sod. I've reseeded with uh, some grass seed called Echo Lawn. It's supposed to be a good, hardy environmental grass seed, and uh, covered it with some cotton. Well, put some fresh compost down, and then kind of covered it with some compost. My question is: We have lots of trees in the backyard, although not directly over this area. Um, we're concerned that the leaves falling may suffocate the, the growing grass, and we're not sure what to do to protect you know, the, the grass from the leaves as the leaves begin to fall. It is important to not let those accumulate over the top of your grass. Also, now, the seed needs to only be covered really lightly. It has, you have to get some sunshine to that seed for it to germinate. So uh, it is important to not let the leaves accumulate on it. Uh, and this time of year, often that's kind of difficult because you're absolutely right. If, if they uh, form a solid mat on it, it will keep the seed from coming up because you have to get sun to shine on that seed in order to bring it up. And uh, the grass seed does take a while to germinate. So, uh, you know, you, you're going to have to blow those leaves off or something in order to keep them off. And you said you put compost on top of the seed. So, uh, hopefully you didn't cover it very much because usually you can put the seed basically right on top of the compost and it will work its way into it enough. So it is important to not cover grass seed very much at all. Yeah, I only broadcast it across like uh, some sites suggested that was a good thing to do. But, yeah, that... Uh, um, you can still see the little grass seed. Okay. You know. Okay. Well, uh, like I say, it is important that you get light to that seed in order to bring it up. But also it's important. We've had good rain recently, but it is important to keep that seed moist through the germination process because if it, if it once dries out, it's gone. So uh, you do want to keep the seed moist uh, during the germination process. Very important also. All right. Hey, Jack, thanks a lot for the call. Uh, bye-bye. We really appreciate it. All right, our phone numbers again. Oh, go ahead, Helen. Uh, the fellow who called about the passion flower. Yes. Uh, passion flower, uh, cerulea, is one that's listed as hardy. Most greenhouses, uh, nursery-type greenhouses, probably carry it in the early spring, at least in small amounts. And you need to remember if you're going to plant it in the soil that it tends to uh, come up in odd places and come up from its roots. So uh, be prepared to sort of discipline it. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, we're going to take a short break. Uh, You're listening to Noon Edition, our uh, fall gardening show with Helen May and Don Adamson. We'll be right back. You're listening to Noon Edition on member-supported WFIU. Production support comes from Closets 2, Smithville Telephone Information at smithville.net, and from Mother Bear's Pizza at motherbearspizza.com. You can take WFIU programs with you by downloading our podcasts. Podcasting is a convenient and easy way to download audio files directly to your computer, iPod, or portable player. You can download podcasts of full-length programs like Noon Edition, Ask the Mayor, and Harmonia, or short features like Kinsey Confidential, the Ether Game Musical Mini Quiz, as well as movie, play, and opera reviews. Find out more by going to our website, WFIU.org. And have you heard WFIU's news features? On Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays, the WFIU news team brings you expanded and in-depth reports on topics affecting south-central Indiana. Listen at 8.33 a.m. and 5.45 p.m. every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday to catch that day's feature. If you miss one, that's okay. They're archived on our website, WFIU.org. And the best features from each week can be heard Saturday mornings at 7.45. 
Welcome back to Noon Edition. It's our annual fall gardening show. We have a, a fall gardening show. We have a spring gardening show. This is our fall show with uh, Helen May and Don Adamson. Helen is retired from May's Greenhouse. Don is still gainfully employed at Bloomington Valley Nursery. Uh, if you have questions or comments, please phone us at 855-0811 or 877-285-9348. You can join us on our website also, wfiu.org slash Noon Edition. We're going to go to a phone call. And then I do have a couple of emails I'm going to slide in. But the phone call is first and it's Jason. Thanks for holding, Jason. Oh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. Um, I have a couple wisteria plants that grow over a an arbor in my uh, backyard. And I'm wondering if I need to trim those back. I've read that you're supposed to trim them back to the woody growth. But I really don't want to do that unless I absolutely need to. Well, you ha- you have to trim them in order to make them flower. And uh, like you're, you had said, you need to uh, just leave little stubs of the, the this year's growth, but trim almost all of this year's growth off, or, or they will not flower next year. So it is very important that they be pruned in the fall. Now, Jason, I have to tell you, Helen expressed some uh, interest in two wisteria plants. Helen, you want to explain that? <laughs> they just get so huge. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I've got a very large pergola, and I've oh, just good. got one on each side. Well, so, that, that, and they're they're very young. One is a year old, and one is two years old, which is why I, they, they've really started to take off. So I'm, you know, I'm hesitant <laughs> to cut them. Well, what you want to do uh, with your pruning in the long run, you want to develop a framework of heavy vine, as so that will mean cutting back the long wispy growth, uh, maybe more than once a year, but certainly in the fall. Uh, and get it get a structure that covers your uh, arbor, but does not wind around it, uh, because the tree the wisteria may just jerk it out of the ground, even if it's four by fours or something. Uh, train it uh, uh, a framework of heavy wood, and as you go along, some of that heavy wood will begin to bloom. Uh, it will take a little while for it to reach that stage. I would recommend if it's growing well that you do not fertilize it because it's it's going to go wild if you fertilize it. Uh, if you want to get a little diagram about pruning, I think they have one down at May's Greenhouse they'll give to you okay. for specifically for wisteria. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks a lot, Jason. I want to get an email in here. It says, most years I have a few tomatoes that have white areas in the flesh just under the skin. The cherry, grape, and pear tomatoes don't get this. What causes the white areas? Helen? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That used to be a big question when I was at the greenhouse. And at that time – uh, we couldn't seem to find an answer for it. It was suspected it was perhaps some kind of stress. Uh, somebody else uh, said they maybe it was a deficiency of some kind in the fertilizer. The answer may have come to light in the last four or five years. <laughs> I don't know. What, what would uh, cause stress? Would... Well, uh, uneven watering, mm-hmm. um, uh, heavy insect uh, problems, maybe some kind of uh, – uh, a poor, not the correct pH in the soil, so it's either too acidic or too <clears throat> sweet. Anything that would make it difficult for the plant. But uh, what you should do is is there's a big book called an ortho problem solver. I think. Do you guys have one? Right. And we have one at the greenhouse. Just go down and look up tomatoes, and that problem will be in there, and that will have the most up-to-date information on that particular problem. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, 855-0811, 877-285-9348, and org slash noon edition is our website. You can email us from the website. Uh, We have three people who are waiting to talk, so we'll go back to the phones right away, and it's Sue first. Sue? Hi. We have a ongoing dilemma at our house about hydrangea bushes. Do you cut them back in the fall? Do you not cut them back? How does that go? All of the the big leaf hydrangeas, which are the blues and the pinks, uh, should not be trimmed back in the fall. Now, a lot of the newer types called endless summer 
do continue to flower on new wood. Uh, where the older types, uh, a lot of people had difficulty getting them to flower because they would only flower on the previous year's wood. And, but this is still a good idea not to prune them back much in the fall or you'll be cutting off uh, some of the spring flowers. Now, there are other types of hydrangea that uh, uh, that's not true, some of them that, that get taller. And uh, I don't know which type you specifically have. Fig leaf, I believe. Okay. Uh, I would not trim those until the, they start getting new leaves on the branches in the spring. Even, okay. the, even the endless summer will produce more flowers by doing it that way. All right. Well, thank you very much. Okay. Appreciate it. All right, Alrighty. Sue. Thanks Bye. a lot for the call. I'm going to try to get this email in. Uh, I am going to get this email in. <laughs> uh, it's about a, uh, a, a woman has a northern sweet bay magnolia that's in desperate need of pruning. Uh, she says she called one landscape company. They were going to get back to her, but that didn't happen. Uh, it'd be a simple job for a skilled pruner. It's a matter of selecting the right branches to eliminate. And I just don't have the eye for it. So she has two questions. One, when is the best time to prune that type of tree? And two, can you recommend a reliable company? The uh, I don't know if we want to get into that, but <laughs> <laughs> uh, he can he can recommend a good company. Right. <laughs> the, the sweet bay. Uh, you get the flowers in the summer, but you don't want to. You don't want to do drastic pruning on them. In other words, as you indicated, some selective pruning uh, to kind of thin it out. Is it a bush type uh, tree? Uh, this was a, an email. So. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so so we, I don't know. <laughs> so we can't ask, ask the question, but. Uh, uh, it's best to to take some of the older branches. Do that. Do severe pruning on those. And uh, if you if you call Bloomington Valley Nursery, we can get somebody out there to to take care of that. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks a lot. Uh, thanks for that email. Uh, we have a phone call from Carmen. Carmen. Hey, Carmen. Are you there? Maybe Carmen's not there. Okay. How about uh, Pat next, Pat? I'm here in Terre Haute. Ah, oh, hi. Uh, okay. I have a question about uh, Queen Elizabeth roses. I have three. Uh, one is the uh, regular Queen Elizabeth, and it is uh, uh, hardy and, and blooms beautifully. And I have two uh, climbing Queen Elizabeth, and I have a hard time just discarding plants. You know, I always want to give them a chance, but... I neither one of them uh, have very much bloom, and I wonder if you have any experience with uh, the climbing Queen Elizabeth. Um, is it ever hardy and uh, free blooming? Well, for one thing, she will bloom best on two-year-old wood. If it freezes back on you every winter, and then grows vigorously through the summer. You won't get much in the way of bloom. Uh, and then if it freezes back again, you won't get much bloom. If you can protect it enough that you develop a good-sized uh, plant of at least two-year-old wood, that should bloom for you. Now, if I assume it's, it's growing in a good sunny place with good soil. Uh, sometimes t bending the limbs of a climbing rose that want to go straight up, if you can bow them over and fasten to a fence or something, mm -hmm. sometimes that will increase the amount of bloom. And of course, it is very important that they, they be uh, fertilized properly so they can produce flowers in the summer. When One flush of bloom on old-fashioned roses doesn't take much feeding, but if you want a rose if you have a rose that's supposed to bloom all summer, then you're going to have to feed farther into the summer than you would with the old-fashioned one. Uh, if the foliage is good, and that's always a problem with roses in this area, and the growth is vigorous, it may be that uh, you're just not leaving enough old wood. Do you do much pruning? Oh, not much. I prune back the uh, in the spring, you know, the dead wood. Mm-hmm. Is there a lot of dead wood usually? 
usually quite a bit, and it's uh, it's pretty awful to uh, deal with with the huge long canes. And I'm just um, to the point. It's like, am I going to just dig these up and discard them and try something else? Um, and I I did that with uh, the older one, and it's oh, it's probably at least five years old, and uh, blooms so little, and I thought, well, I'll try another one in another location, and I have the same problem, although my regular Queen Elizabeth is just a joy. It's beautiful, and uh, blooms freely, and um, I just wondered if you'd ever experienced any problem with this climbing uh, variety. Well, that that particular variety, I have not grown specifically as a climber. I know the bush form is uh, very vigorous. Oh, yes. Um, like six foot tall. If you lose a lot of wood every year, uh, that may be part of your problem because you do need a lot of wood that's at least two years old for it to really bloom. Okay. Um, I would say if you can possibly protect it a little bit, in the winter, and that's going to be ugly. Some people buy corn stalks in the fall and tie them around their <coughs> climbing roses, and some people use uh, landscape fabric or burlap or something. Um, if you're not willing to do that and you don't want to look at that all winter, then you should try to find a rose that blooms well on first-year wood. Well, I have a new dawn, a couple of those. Now, those are nice and tough. Yes, they are. Those are wonderful roses. Are well, they blooming well for you? That. Yeah. <laughs> I have seen those with 20-foot canes on them, so uh, if, if they do well for you, you just train them along the fence or wherever, and you won't need any more. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Hey, Thank you. Thanks a lot You're for welcome. calling, Pat. All right. That was Pat from Terre Haute. Eight five five zero eight one one or eight seven seven two eight five nine three four eight. We still have about ten minutes to go. If you want to try to get your question in today, wfiu.org slash noon edition. If you want to send us an email, uh, go to our website. We have Carmen on the line. Carmen, hello there. Hi, Carmen. Welcome back. Sorry, I missed you before. <laughs> Sorry. I have a question about petunias. My question is: Can a person plant uh, seeds in the fall? So they come up right away in the spring, or should a person wait until the spring to, to plant them? Well, to get the best return for your seed, you probably should plant in the spring. I do occasionally have what we call volunteers come up from seed that's fallen in the previous year. Uh, they're not terribly reliable, um, I have had situations where one will pop up here and there and have other situations where I get a carpet of them. <laughs> but the colors probably will not be the same as what you planted because a lot of these hybrids in the second generation uh, are not uh, true to their parents, you know. Um, mm -hmm. It's probably you do better to sow early. The seed is very, very fine you should prepare a really nice seed bed in the spring, scatter the seed on it lightly, and don't cover it. Just get mm -hmm. a, a, a squish bottle or a squirt bottle and just uh -huh. just wet it enough so that it sticks to the soil. I see. Uh, and I wouldn't plant it until, uh, oh, probably about the 1st of May, the last week of April. Oh, okay, that's what I wanted to know exactly. All right. Okay. Okay. Mm -hmm. Thanks a lot for the call. Uh, we're going to go next to Arvid. Uh, hello. Hi, Arvid. Uh, yes. Um, we have some uh, Miss Kim uh, lilac bushes that we uh, bought at uh, Don's uh, nursery years ago. And when they were new, they um, bloomed beautifully. But in the last, um, I don't know how many years, uh, they have not been blooming very well anymore. And I was wondering what I should be doing there. One of the main things that uh, keeps shrubs like that from flowering is trimming them too late. It's important on Miss Kim and other deciduous shrubs similar to that to do the pruning soon after they complete their flowering because they need the, the new growth shoots to set flowers for next year. 
So that's that's one of the main things is don't trim them too late. Any trimming on them should be done soon after they complete their flowering. Often uh, addition of some superphosphate fertilizer at this time of year is helpful uh, to get more flowers next year also. So those are the two main considerations, I feel. Okay. Well, thank you very much. All right. Thanks a lot for the call. Again, our number is 855-0811-877-285-9348. You can send an email still at uh, wfiu.org slash noon edition. And Don is on the phone. Don? Yes. Uh, what about a house plant for me with uh, a jasmine type? Something's got a nice scent to it for the kitchen. Well, Can you come uh, what? Kind of get or work or if if you have success with it, you you could and have a lot of good strong light. You could try a real jasmine. They're grown as house plants, or a gardenia, perhaps. If you want really a lot of perfume, probably you should speak to Sheila down at our greenhouse. She's a real whiz on house plants. And she might be able to recommend some other things, but I know those two have pretty potent blooms. Uh, there's also something which isn't a jasmine called a night-blooming jessamine, which has a very strong perfume. Uh, in fact, it may wake you up when you <laughs> are sound asleep because it started to send perfume through the house. Um, those are the three... What shall I say? Most perfumed plants I can think of. I had a a gardenia one year, and I didn't have very good luck with it. Couldn't hardly keep it moist enough. Well, they're a little bit difficult, and um, they like even moisture. They don't like to dry out, and they don't like to be too wet. And sometimes, you, if the roots rot, then uh, they begin to wilt and look like they want water. But it's it's impossible because the roots are bad. Um, I would talk to Sheila. She's uh, she just knows so much about house plants. I'm kind of a petunia and tree and geranium person <laughs> more than anything else. Uh, she's she's a, works in our big greenhouse that has house plants down there, and she can probably show you several different things. Thank you. All right, thanks a lot, uh, Don. And now we're going to Nasreen. Nasreen. Hello. Hi. <clears throat> Hi. I have a question. Uh, that um, it's about a plant in my apartment has been given to me. It's beautiful. Uh, it said, there was a note that it said, this is a bamboo begonia. And it said, uh, don't overwater, and, uh, and then you have to water it from the bottom. So I don't know. I, I do give it water from the bottom. It seems to be growing beautifully, but I'm not quite sure how many times a week I should do that. And the, there's a dish under it which is, has a uh, rim about two inch, maybe a little less. And I almost fill it with water, no water from the top, and let it be. And uh, so after a few hours, it's very slow to absorb. And then there is, if, if there is anything uh, left, I throw it away. Am I doing the right thing? Well, basically, <clears throat> uh, the main thing you want to do is not over-wet it and keep it over-wet because it will kill it off pretty fast. Um, Does it always soak up that water within just an hour or two, or does it sit there for days? Maybe a couple, two, three hours, and then I would throw away the rest or just leave a little bit of it. Uh, You should just check when you're getting ready to throw away the excess. Dig your fingers into the surface of the potting soil and see if it's moist at all. It never gets moist on top. That's very funny. Well, I thought it was going to die from thirst, but because it absorbs from the bottom, and I was told not to give it from the top. So, but it just said that uh, it would grow to be six feet tall, and it's in there sitting at the window. Uh, it's beautiful, but I just don't want to overwater it, and I don't know, shall I give it just once a week or twice a week? It is capable of absorbing a lot of water depending on how large the pot is. But it sounds like what you're doing is probably all right now. As the plant grows, you may have to water 
uh, a little more often or it may completely – if it starts completely emptying the saucer in the amount of time that you normally plan on dumping part of it, uh, then uh, that would be a sign that it's getting more roots in there and you, and more top growth and using more water. I still suggest that you take your fingernails or your finger or a spoon and dig into the top of the soil a little way out from the uh, – in from the rim, not right against the rim. And if you go down an inch or an inch and a half and you don't find any moisture, <clears throat> then you're not watering quite enough. If it is – if you dig down that far and it's really wet, you're probably okay. An inch and a half. Uh, about, yes. About. It depends on how big the pot is, but yeah, about that deep. Yeah. And then what, twice a week, do you think, or once a week? How often have you been watering it? Uh, I don't even know. I think it's about a little more than uh, once a week. All Between right. Between once a week and two, <laughs> twice a week, yeah. I mean, I, I'm so busy all the time, <laughs> but I'm taking care of these beautiful little plants I have, so. All right. If it's in a very small pot, how big is it? I mean, the pot across the surface from one side to the other. From one side to the other? Mm-hmm. Maybe half a foot? Okay. Uh, once a week is probably ample. It's good. If you week. are concerned that maybe it's dried out sooner than you thought, before you water, dig down and see how deep it's dry. If An it's inch and a half. Yeah, if it's dry an inch and a half, now you don't have to do this every time you water, but until you get used to what you're doing. Right, right. If it's dry down an inch and a half, then it's time to water again. Okay, it said it's a bamboo begonia, the note says. Yes, but it is a, it's, it will get big and have cane-like growth, but it is still a begonia, which needs enough moisture to keep it growing and healthy, but if it gets too wet, the roots will rot. Exactly. That's what the note yes. says. And the leaves are uh, on one side uh, green and one side red. It's mm-hmm. very pretty and has all kinds of new shoots coming up. Well, sounds like it's doing well so far. <laughs> yeah. uh, so. You should probably plan on a little bit of fertilizer occasionally. Oh, oh. Uh, you might buy you a, a little package of something like miracle Grow. Yes, yes. And, uh, is it liquid or is it uh, just It's powder? a powder you put in the water that you water the plant yes, with. Yes. Well, okay, yes. Nasreen, we're going to have to get off the air now. Thank you very thanks much. For all, thanks, I appreciate it. Thank you for calling. Thanks for all your uh, interest in the show. I want to thank Helen and Don for being here with me today. For Mary Catherine, who couldn't be here. For Ariana Prothero and engineer Mike Pashkash, I'm Bob Salzberg. Thanks for listening. Noon Edition is a production of WFIU and the Herald Times. A podcast of this and other WFIU programs is available at WFIU.org. Production support comes from Closets 2, providing organized and expanded closet and storage space for home, office, and garage using a variety of systems with no major renovations. Closets 2, owned and operated in Bloomington, 332-2233. Smithville, a locally owned business serving central and southern Indiana since 1922 with residential and business internet, voice, and security services. Smithville, local pride, global technology. Information at smithville.net. Mother Bear's Pizza of Bloomington, open daily and offering pizzas, pasta dinners, and wings with daily specials. Menu available online at motherbearspizza.com, 332-4495 for delivery.